0: I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan.
1: And I'm Valerie.
2: And today, on our third Shorts episode, we watched um, one of the first Out of the Inkwell cartoons, specifically 1919's The Tantalizing Fly. Um, Very
0: weird name. It's not like it sounds. (laughs) I don't (laughs) know.
2: Mom, not a sexy fly. Mom left a, some well, conclusions. that's
0: because you let me know that they are the people that did Betty Boop. So that's why I'm like, oh no, the tantalizing fly. Oh, I don't know if I want to see this. I mean, uh,
2: valid, I guess, but that's not what this was about. No. Um, this is the first appearance of the character that would eventually be known as Coco the Clown, mm. um, who oh. appeared in some early Betty Boop shorts, uh, but ended up being phased out during then, and I don't think was was used to get in the old Fleischer shorts. The Out of the Inkwell series was actually the result of three short experimental films that Max Fleischer independently produced from 1914 to 1916 to demonstrate his invention, the rotoscope. And we'll talk some more about that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, what did you guys think of this thing?
1: It's always clowns. And I guess I get it because... The face is very distinctive as opposed to having to do fine detail with like lips and like other things like that. And I, I, I guess the outfits are, can be simpler or you can like lend to movement easier because you just have dots on the front. And then like, especially for this guy whose outfit was just inked, like there was no pattern or anything like that. I don't know. I guess it, 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 the movement felt pretty fluid on not on everything, but certain like in between big moments it felt kind it felt pretty fluid
0: yeah yeah i agree i mean this was the most fluid out of anything of this beginning and foundational things that we've done so far i was I, yeah i was very surprised and overall yeah overall i enjoyed it
2: good yeah yeah i think this is a cute little short um i would like to say it's not all clowns. I watched quite a few shorts before I landed on this one that were not clowns. Maybe more of them should have been
0: clowns. (laughs) Oh no. Um,
2: There's the, the earliest uh, animated short I could find with like a a character that recurred, you know, was Colonel Heza something or other. And it sucked. Um, A lot of the 1900s silent era film shorts Kind of suck. It seems like it took them until the 1920s to really start doing them well. The best ones that I saw were probably like the, the Bobby Bumps ones, which have some some fairly fluid animation. Not, not quite like this, but pre- pretty nice animation. Can sometimes be kind of funny, but also has a recurring mammy character that's Oof. just blackface. It's awful. So... I didn't have his watching any of those. I skipped right to 1919 um, and had to see this because it was like 1914, 15 was some of the earliest ones I could find. And yeah, this is one. And I I also think this is relevant because it's one of the oldest cartoon characters that anybody still recognizes today. Um, There's a couple of others like felix the cat was somewhere around this time but i haven't started watching those yet and crazy cat is a kind of less known person that i think still kind of exists to some degree but no one remembers colonel he's our bobby bumps nowadays unless they look at old shorts so well
0: interestingly i recognize the name coco the clown i don't I don't remember the clown itself, but the, I just remember this the
2: name. Desi- the design gets streamlined and made more cartoony as it goes. Mm-hmm. So this is his early form, but he's less clearly rotoscoped later. Um, he less looks less like a man and more like a cartoon character as he evolves. So by the time we get into some of the Betty Boop cartoons, he might start looking familiar to you. I don't know.
0: Felix the Cat, I have a vague image in my mind of Felix the Cat.
2: Yeah, and we'll probably end up watching at least a couple of those. I haven't really delved into them yet because they were premiering around this time and into the 1920s. The 1920s is going to be an interesting time for shorts because Disney starts doing stuff, but not Mickey Mouse or even Oswald yet. The Fleischer brothers are doing more. They actually started at uh, Bray Studios. I saw that. Um, So that's... If we recall from last time how Windsor McKay let a dude into his place and showed him his stuff and then that guy tried to sue him to use these things that weren't patented, that guy was had the last name of Bray, and he has a studio called Bray Studios, and that's who the Fleischers originally worked for. Oh wow. But yeah, let's get specific. I will save that one for animation, but just a little weird fun fact that doesn't really fit anywhere else. Fleischer's younger brother, uh, Max Fleischer's younger brother, Dave Fleischer, who was working as a clown at Coney Island, served as the model for Coco. Oh,
0: wow. Okay. <laughs> That's funny.
2: Yeah. So, so. Now, who were the, because okay, this was, what was interesting. The main guy that we saw. Oh, actually, say what you were going to say. No, I
0: was going to say, again, you have a mix of a a real person then interacting with their creation, with their animation. And the
2: main guy that we saw was Max Fleischer. I'm not sure if the other dude who was briefly there was Dave or if that was some other animator. I'm not really sure. But the main guy is Max Fleischer. Okay.
0: Okay, got it.
2: Yeah, let's talk about story, characters. There's like two characters
1: Three. The yeah. of the clown. Yeah, and the fly. <laughs> the fly and then... Max. Well, there was the guy that the clown...
2: Well, I guess, but Max is also enough of a character oh, that sure. I would count him.
0: Now, I am assuming, I don't know if this is a silly question, but that the fly was also animated? I think... it was the, it a live I feel fly? like the
2: fly might have been stop motion. There's... No, the only fun... The fun facts I was able to pull here was just on a wiki page about... Out of the Inkwell, the series, there's not a specific page on this and some cursory Google searching wasn't giving me much else of value. So I don't have a lot specifically about this, but that fly seemed like it was stop motion to me. Like, I think maybe he got either a real dead fly or just made a little fly thing and moved it around because it seemed like it was stop motion moving around.
1: Yeah, like there was a shadow. I I wasn't sure either, but the stop motion makes sense.
2: That's, that's my guess.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, very interesting concept I I thought was interesting because this fly, as he's drawing the clown, this fly gets on the page, but then in, he's trying to deal with the fly, the clown that he's drawn is then trying to deal with the fly. And they, at one point, you know, he gets a fly swatter. That's where we see the other real life person. We're not sure who the man was. He borrows a fly swatter from him. You know the the one one of the big actions was after he used the fly swatter on the page that he was drawing on, it knocked over the clown. But then the clown wants to go at it and takes his pen, and then ends up spraying ink all over him, and he reacts to that in real life. It it just yeah, interesting fun interplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get, and the neat thing is knowing. That you said uh, Nyssa, or the one that we saw before, what was the, the dinosaur? Gertie. 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 So sorry, why am I saying Nyssa? I have no idea don't. I, I, I don't. I don't, know. I don't know where that came from. Uh, sorry, Gertie, the dinosaur, that the crater interacting with her and telling her to do things and throwing a pumpkin in her mouth. Now, that makes sense why that he and the clown are trying to deal with the fly. Yeah. But yeah, just interesting. And I, and
2: I haven't really gotten into the 1920s, but from what I can tell, this is kind of a thing still for a while. Is like interplaying between the animator and the cartoon character. Even by the time we get to early 1930, um, the, the first Warner Brothers cartoon is Bosco the Talking Kid and has interplay between the animator and Bosco who is a Looney Tune that you don't remember because he's racist. Mm, okay. <laughs> but he was the first Looney Tune star, um, and he, he sucks. He's boring outside of being racist, but we'll get there eventually. I'll probably have to subject you guys to at least one Posca cartoon.
0: What is up with blackface and racism? In Just a lot of movies? white
2: guys here who thought that stuff was funny, and yeah. they kept thinking it was funny well into the like 40s and 50s.
1: Yeah, and it's, it was like a, a staple of entertainment, right? Yeah, like, I mean... It, sorts of...
2: Yeah, it's just societal racism and yeah. the fact that the people making these cartoons, like directing them, were almost invariably white. So, yeah. yeah
0: goodness.
2: Yeah, unfortunately we will keep seeing that, but not in this cartoon, fortunately. No racism in this one. There's not enough characters for it, I think. <laughs> um, I'm sure that the Fleischer brothers are not an exception. They will probably eventually be doing that too.
1: We're in not fact sure. actually
2: In fact, actually, literally the short after this is racist against Chinese people. I just remembered that because I did watch that one. (laughs) Um, And literally the next short is called The China Man and is as bad as that name would insinuate. So they weren't free of being racist either. But fortunately, this particular cartoon didn't have that.
0: No, I was just going to tease and say we don't know the flies you know (laughs) ideology i think the fly (laughs) is just a fly
2: i my my question is did the fly die at the end or did he like end up picking it up and bringing it out i don't know because he just covered the thing
1: yeah i mean at that point i would i would bring it out because even though you you have it you don't want it to die
2: in the ink anyways yeah
1: even though you have it captured it doesn't mean that you can like pick your hand up and smash it again. Right. You just just leave it outside. Yeah. Well, because there was enough of a dip. So
0: it was, what was interesting is the clown.
2: At the end of the cartoon, Coco the Clown goes back into the ink um, jar or whatever. And then the, the fly goes over onto the lid of it, onto the like mouth of that. And then Max puts his hand over just to... If you haven't seen the cartoon, you can see it though it's on YouTube for free so you can easily watch it.
0: Yeah, but what was yeah, what was so neat preceding that is that the clown drew like a crack like in the wall type thing I don't think he drew it. I think he he, like punched it. Oh, he punched it supposedly, climbed into it. And then Max turns the paper around. You see him sliding down like as if you're scaling down a wall and then off that into the inkwell, like off of the page. So that was really interesting. He got out
2: of the inkwell when he was drawn, but then he went right back into it. (laughs) Yeah. So. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's a cute little cartoon. um, and And it's one of the earliest good examples of, of characters and cartoons. And this is one that would contend is still known today by people who like old Fleischer cartoons, especially, I think there was also like a fifties cartoon where they tried, one of the Fleischer
0: brothers tried to revive Coco the clown. Um, But I don't know a lot about that. Yeah. But what um, Valerie alluded to this earlier, what was very impressive was the fluid fluidity of movement because he would at some um, points at, you know, there were the clown would, spin around would bend over would just all yeah, kinds of herself. movements. Hey yeah,
2: let's get into animation. Yeah. So um like I mentioned, he produced the shorts before this to demonstrate his invention the rotoscope which then was of course featured in the series itself. Um, The rotoscope was a device consisting of a film projector and easel used to achieve realistic movement for animated cartoons. The rotoscope projected motion picture film through an opening in the easel covered by a glass pane serving as a drawing surface. The image on the projected film was traced onto paper, advancing the film one frame at a time as each drawing was made. So you have live action footage of actors, and then you have this device that lets you draw over that so that your movement can be fluid and realistic and so there was footage of a live action person acting out a lot of what coco did that then they had the footage of use the rotoscope to trace over it and that's why it is not only fluid but like feels like how a human actually moves for a lot of it
1: yeah
0: okay yeah and, and that's a
2: process that continued to be used. It was used in Snow White. It, it's it's used throughout things. Some creators lean more heavily on it than others. Some creators feel like it's a cheap tool because it's like it's not as creatively it, it binds you more to a reality rather than being more creative. Some people kind of use it, but then also go outside of it a bit at the same time. It's an interesting tool that's been used for a lot of things, but the Fleischer uh, brothers, Max Fleischer in particular, created that back in in the early 1910s.
0: That's awesome because isn't that the same idea that now 3D or computer animation uses when they have a live person dressed like in, in an outfit with... Points of like dots or lights. It's not. Captured?
2: It's not exactly the same, um but it's that is sort of the version of this for 3D animation.
0: Yeah, I was just going to um, say it's it's not the made. same,
2: but the concept right. is similar. Where you're taking live action footage and you are in this case drawing over it with the thing you're talking about. They're they're taking live action movements and facial movements, and then mapping their animated rigs to that to make it more realistic. It's not the same, but the concepts are in the same sphere of like attempting to use live action performances to enhance the realism of the animation.
0: It would still be an incredible amount of drawings that you would have to do. Oh, certainly. Oh my goodness. Certainly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's an it's an interesting technique and and the out of the inkwell especially in the beginning is going to utilize it a lot. And we even saw it already in Snow White and we will definitely see it in the movie we're going to watch after this which is also by the Fleischer Brothers.
1: Yeah, I mean I think we've seen it in The Night Before Christmas, is that what it was called? Yes. In the yes, Soyuz the Soyuz Multfilm Mult yeah.
2: movies that we've seen have definitely used it. Yeah, And
1: then, what's-his-face, Bluth, Anastasia? Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. We've uh, seen it before.
2: Definitely. Anything else with the animation you guys want to talk about?
1: No, I already mentioned, or maybe too early, about, like, I think the simple design lends well
2: definitely. to it. And we don't have any sound stuff to really talk about, so I have skipped those sections. So let's just go on to How's It Hold Up? I mean, fairly well, besides like not having the advent of sound, but you can't hold that against it. But I can see how that would put some modern audiences off. But I mean, this is like a four minute cartoon you can easily watch on YouTube. It's pretty cute. Yeah. and I, Fortunately, there's no racist stuff in it. There's no, there's not even a whole lot that's like clearly of the times other than the lack of sound and like the outfits max is wearing and stuff you know like he, he's clearly not of the modern age but
0: yeah well the other thing i was going to say i and maybe valerie said this earlier white clowns, but I don't like clowns. I think a lot of modern society, I think of huge fear people have of clowns, but this is not a scary, creepy looking clown. Coco's a nice clown. So I know. So in that sense, it holds up because it's not like, Oh, you know, because like, if you were just to say it was a clown, you know, I'd be like, Oh no. But again, watching it, nothing disturbing, nothing There's even like a
2: close up on his face. And like, it's like, it's a friendly old face. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. So, Um, my, my favorite, when you, they did the close-up on his face, what was it? Oh, it was preparing. Is this your
2: favorite part? or Maybe.
1: Because
2: the, sure. the next section is favorites. Okay. So keep that in mind. But first, what was your least favorite part?
1: Uh, with my and bit. like,
2: usually we say scenes, but this is a four minute short. So like, you could argue that the whole thing is one scene. So just your favorite little moment in there. Least, least favorite. Sorry, favorite. yes. Currently your least favorite. To me,
0: any time with the fly that it was landing or moving around because it just made me think of how gross real flies, especially if they <laughs> land on your food or For something. For me, it was
2: probably, yeah, similarly, I think it was um, at the beginning where he's still trying to draw Coco and the fly keeps interrupting. And I'm like, just let him finish the drawing, fly. Come on.
0: <laughs> Mine was almost- about built my
2: frustration, but also like- you know, the short hinges on you being frustrated at this fly. So it's not, it's fairly necessary, but I was just like, oh,
0: come on, fly. I was just gonna say mine was when he, when, Coco actually drew the man on the couch. Some <laughs> little man sitting there and had a really large head and forehead. It's a fly and trap. Then, and then the, yeah. And then the fly just made it, you know, started kind of almost if like. If you guys
2: don't get that, I've, in one of the Bobby uh, Bumps cartoons, they also had a joke. And, and basically it seemed to be a joke back then that bald people, flies like to just rest on bald heads.
1: Because okay. Bobby yeah. Bumps
2: has like a dad who who's bald and there's a thing where a fly goes on his head and then Bobby whacks him and gets in trouble. Um, oh, so yeah, have. that was just a thing at the time is which doesn't seem to really be a joke that is used today. We but. should have
0: had that in How's It Hold Up? Because I oh, sure. did not know that. No, that's fair. Yeah, I was just going to say I didn't know that. But I was going to say that was just very uncomfortable that the fly was making itself like moving or, like in a circle, almost kind of like a, a dog or a cat dress, yeah, to, like- <laughs> to go and circle before they sit down in the spot where they want. Too.
1: And it was like, ooh, this is just too much fly. Yeah, what? I think I have to agree with that one. It's <laughs> least favorite.
2: What was your favorite moment?
1: The the look on uh Coco's face when he was gonna hit him with the fly swatter. Yeah. Like, uh, oh no. I
2: <laughs> like the <laughs> little close up on Coco's face. That part was my probably my favorite. That expression. Just some was nice very expressive funny. animation.
0: Yeah. I think mine was just because I it was I was not expecting it and it was neat, a neat effect was Coco punching going through the page sliding down the back of the page and into the inkwell That was
2: maybe my second favorite was just like he just punched a hole and like jumped through and I'm like oh rad
0: Yeah it just was neat just a really neat effect and again I wasn't expecting it so
2: Who was your least favorite character?
0: The fly The
2: fly yeah The fly sucks. <laughs> I was
0: gonna say the fly
1: The flies are
2: necessary to this cartoon <laughs> but also evil. don't yeah, like that fly. guy
1: Necessary <laughs> evil Who's
2: your favorite character?
1: The guy who loaned him the fly swatter.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's a nice dude. And my favorite character is Coco. He's fun.
0: Very expressive. Uh, Yeah, I think... um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I want to go for the guy on the couch. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I guess Coco. (laughs)
2: <laughs> let's go on to our overall consensus and rating. Um, remember that we are not comparing this to movies when we're rating it. We're just comparing it to other shorts. But yeah, what would you guys, what'd you guys would you recommend it to audiences and how'd you like it?
0: I think I would definitely re- um, recommend it to audiences, especially since it is not problematic and it's a really great example of early animation and the what one of the first uses of the rotoscope or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in that sense, I think it would, it's a relevant thing to see and it's short. So in that sense, it's painless. Um, if I'm trying to think of what I did, one of the last ones, but I, I want to say- I mean, say you this laugh, the- but
2: it's like, in fairness, part of the negatives of Little Nemo and Gertie was that they were just too long. And For most sure. of it was just long, not fun, live action segments. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, I'm thinking 2.5. I don't remember what I did. One of the others, maybe two point seven five. I may sway if y'all, because I think it, it. First of all, it was very exciting that it was actually fluid movement and closer to the animation that I am spoiled and and enjoy watching.
1: Yeah, I'd recommend it. Uh, no, I laughed, but I do agree. Like it was, it was short, uh, and the the live action segments weren't overbearing. It,
2: yeah, it didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome.
1: Right. Yeah, rating. I guess I'll go. I was thinking a three, but I guess I'll go two seven five because it wasn't all fluid. But like I said, kind of in between certain big moments, it it wasn't as good as the more of the in between. But it was fun overall. It was enjoyable, and so yeah, I think this would be a good one to watch if you want to see some old animation. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it too. I think I'll go at two point five. Um, just. It's simplistic, and I know that there's a lot more interesting shorts that will be made, but this is this is um, way better than any of the other first ones I could have shown. You yeah. <laughs> after after we're done with Windsor McKay, um, and yeah, this it's a cute little short. I, I recommend it. It's real easy to find on YouTube. Uh, just search "tantalizing fly 1919. Probably don't even need the date. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of other things called tantalizing fly and yeah, just give it a quick watch. It's a cute little cartoon. I mean, it's, it's fairly simplistic and all the, most of the gags besides like the, uh, fly trap one, you can easily guess just cause you've seen cartoons. Yeah. It's a cute, cute little cartoon. Uh, next time we will be watching the first bits of Japanese animation. So oh,
0: wow. yeah. Cool.
2: Yeah, which I think because is I actually, I think actually maybe slightly predates this, but after that, we'll be going in order basically chronologically with these things. But these first couple, I wanted to tie it to the feature that we will be watching around then too. So, but yeah, we'll be watching the first bits of Japanese animation, which is like a small, like couple second thing, and then an actual short. So yeah, next time it'll be
0: that. Okay, Yay. all right. Thank you, thank y'all you for listening thank you all for and listening. Join us next week with our uh,
2: feature film review. Yeah, uh,
0: and like, subscribe, and and yeah, keep joining us. We yes. we love having you. Bye. Bye. bye bye, love y'all.
2: This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark you equals two seven nine zero five six six. Every little bit helps. And even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info.
1: I thought you were
2: going to do to ta oh.
1: intro. ta <laughs> ta
0: <laughs>